0: James chapter 1. Hope you have your Bibles with you, because we are going to go through some verses to share with you about pure religion. What is pure religion? James chapter number 1 is where we're at this morning. And if you're able to stand, if you're able to stand, would you stand with me as we read the word? If you can't, we understand that. But if you're able... Let us share this passage of Scripture with you. Chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his, he deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and they keep himself unspotted from the world. Let us pray. Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you, God, for an opportunity to share the Word of God. And I pray, God, as I share this, that it'll speak to my heart as well as those that are here. Uh, Lord, we pray right now for uh, Tammy Huff and her family as they she's lost her brother. Uh, we pray, God, for Margaret as she's still recovering, and Lord, for Joey from the recovery of his surgery, and Lord, also uh, for uh, Melanie's a daughter had her baby. Well, Lord, we just prayed everything go well with those families and be with them. And I pray, God, that your spirit will speak through us and to this congregation. We know you're here. We just, God, call upon the anointing and the power of God to come upon us. We're going to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. If we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. There's a song that a lot of us who are older remember, and I'm sure you heard of it. It talks about, give me that old time religion. If it was good enough for grandma, it was good enough for me. If it was good enough for grandpa, it was good enough for me. And the idea was it's that good old-time religion. Well, the word religion, when you think about that word, and let me just read to you something here that I found. It says there's a great emphasis today is placed on being religious. And we know that to be true. A lot of people are religious or have religion. I was talking to a fellow just the other day. I had to wait at the house we had a new security system put into the house. And, and as I was uh, talking to this young fella, his name was Dave, and uh, he, I began to share Christ with him. And he, would, and he told me the first thing came out of his mouth the minute I said about knowing for sure where you'd go, if something were to happen to you, it was heaven be your home. He said, Well, I've been baptized. I'm, in, I'm a Catholic. I've been baptized. And I said, Well, I'm glad you're baptized, but that does not mean that you're going to get to heaven. See, he had religion. But he did not have Christ. Well, also when you think about religion, religion is being religious does not mean, as we just said, that it gets a person to heaven. Also, all religions got this idea that all religions have somehow some way to get into heaven. And, folks, that's not true. Amen, church? Amen. All right. We know that. Jesus Christ is the only way that you can get into heaven. Jesus says that the only way is but by him. All right. Also, Jesus' day, they had religious crowds. They had religious people. They were what we call the Pharisees, the high and mighty ones, who were teachers and learners of the law. And we also had the Sadducees during his time. And you also had the scribes during his time. And this was the group that really taught what we call the legalistic view upon things. And there's some old sayings that went out about Pharisees. It says this, Old Pharisees never die, they just multiply. It also goes, another one says, Old Pharisees never die, you just wish they would. And sometimes that is true too. Well, in our day, I wonder if we have that same situation as Pharisees. Someone who puts rules on top of rules. And someone who judges others. And in our Sunday school class this morning, we sort of looked at that, how it's so easy for us to look at someone else and say, hey, they got a problem. Hey, there's something wrong in their life. When actually, if we look at our own life, we got plenty of problems. And we got plenty of things going on in our own life. So why are we judging others in this life? It's often difficult sometimes to even preach to the religious audience, as someone said, because Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two fourteen. 14, to sort of paraphrase it, simply says, many are cold and few are frozen. And that's true too. Mark Twain said this. And listen to what he said. I thought this was pretty good. Having spent a considerable time with good people, I understand why Jesus liked to be a tax collectors and sinners. And I thought that was a pretty good statement also. And then when you think about religious people in our day, let's put it this way. And this is a little that I found it says, I'd like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love others that are different. Or even uh, to, uh, I want entertainment. I don't want transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of heaven in a paper sack. Well, when I read that, I thought of this. I thought, we just have enough religion today in this world, but not enough to change the world for Christ. And I think that's true. I think we got just enough religion live sometimes in the church, but not enough to really change people for Jesus Christ. Now, when you look at religion, you find it in this verse that we've just read. What does Jesus mean by the word religious? Well, the word religion or religious means this. Now, here's something important for all of us to learn. When Jesus uses, uh, the Holy Spirit uses this term, and James puts it down here for us, it means this. It describes an eternal, external rituals, routines, and ceremonies. Now, we know what that means, because a lot of religions has the routines, has the rituals, has the ceremonies, and a lot of them observe, like the Lord's Supper, or even baptism. You know, we would, some people would say, well, that was rituals or ceremonies of some meaning, Uh, But the Greek word for religion here and religious is this. Now, I want you to remember this because as we look at this, we've got to ask ourselves this question, is this us? And this is what it means. It means holiness. Holiness. So this morning, are we holy people? This morning, do we have a holy walk with God? It also means a godliness. So this morning, are you a godly person? You have a godly walk. Is your character, is your life, is it described as that man, that woman is a godly person. That person there has, has a, a sense of holiness about them. Now, I'm not talking about a Pharisee. I'm not talking about a Sadducee or a scribe. I'm not talking about those that would puff their chest out in pride. I'm talking about a holiness and a godliness that really is what we need and that's the kind of religion that James is talking about here in these two verses. A truly religious person will honor Christ. A truly religious person will live a godly life, putting into practice God's word, as he said in verse 22. And also, as you notice, it starts starts out in verse 26. Here's a point, too, now, you need to realize. Notice James starts out and he says the word if. If, and the question is this this morning, if, do you have this kind of religion that God calls holiness, calls godliness in your life? Is this the kind of life that you have? Do you have a life, religious according to God's definition, or do you have a religion according to the world's definition which may be rituals and ceremonies, as I shared with you about that fellow I talked to this week, and oh, yes, I've been baptized. Oh, yes, I've been to Mass. Oh, yes, I've done this. And oh, yes, I've done that. But he did not know Jesus Christ. So what is your definition today of religion? How would you classify, how would you define your life right now? Would you say, I am a religious person? Well, If you were to say that, James is going to describe to us now what godliness and what righteousness and what holiness means according to the scriptures here in these two verses. He breaks it down in three points. The first point, he's going to say, is going to deal with our tongue. Our tongue. And we're going to talk about that this morning for just a few moments. And probably we'll have to stop right there because we're going to pick up the next Sunday because he says the next point is you need to realize that you need to care for the poor. Care for the poor. And we're going to talk about in the scriptures where God talks us and teaches us how and when and what to do about caring for those that are poor. But then also, he says in that verse 2, he says in verse 27, he says someone who has pure religion, the religion that God wants us to have, that he also keeps himself unspotted, he keeps himself clean in his moral walk with God. And so those are the three things that James says makes up pure religion. So as we begin to examine these things, let's ask ourselves this morning, let's be honest, let's look at your heart and let's say, is that me? Is that me? Am I that one who keeps my tongue where it should be? And I don't say things that I shouldn't say. Am I the one who really cares for those that are poor? And I have a, a, and I reach out to reach out and poor. I have a ministry maybe. I have a heart for those people. I pray for them. And not only do I pray for them, I do something about it. Because in chapter 2, he starts out in verses 1 uh, down through verse uh, 13, he talks about how that we need to care for the poor. And he talks about how we not to be partiality those people. And then ask yourself, am I living the clean life? Am I living the life that's right? I mean, it's pure. It's, it's before God it's a righteous and godly life is that me am I that person that has religion according to what God says in his word well Martin Luther said this and then we'll get right into this first point Martin Luther said a religion that gives nothing costs nothing there's nothing is worth And I was wondering, What kind of religion do you have? I mean, think about it for just a moment, if you would. Let it sink in for a moment. And then let's think about this first point found in verse 26. Pure religion is this. Remember, it is what? Controlling our speech that displays a changed heart. Controlling our speech that displays a changed heart. Now, Jesus clearly taught that what we speak is a reflection of what's in our heart. He tells, he tells us that many times. In Matthew 12, 34, it says these words, okay, so we move on up, okay, for out of the above hearts, your hearts. What is the condition of your heart this morning? Think about it. You have religion. You say, I've got religion, pastor. I'm here today. I've got religion. I participated in Sunday school. I got religion. I showed up at 11 o'clock. I've got religion. Well, according to what we find here in the book of James, if you have pure religion, you need to realize that what comes out of the heart is what speaks. So what kind of speech is coming from that heart? Because Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Think about that for a minute. And then he also said in Matthew 12, 37, this is what he said. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. What you say, by what I say, we're going to be justified. Or we're going to be. And then Jesus said this, Matthew 15, 18, he said, but those things, so let's move on up a little bit. Okay, one more time. Well, we'll stop with that. Let me just tell you what Jesus said. He said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth, listen to what Jesus said, come forth from the heart and they defile the man. So what kind of heart condition that you have, it's going to come out. See, if your heart is bitter, it's going to come out. If your heart is critical, it's going to come out. If your heart is one of encouragement, it's going to come out. If your heart is one of godliness, that's what you're going to speak. If your heart is one of holiness, that's what's going to come out. So think about in this last week, what was your speech like? How did you talk? What came out of your mouth? And what was heard by others when you spoke? Now, once again, he starts with the word if. And if we claim to be religious, if we think we are religious, are you religious? That's the question. Are you religious? Our speech is clearly what's in our heart as we've already examined, and if we truly are religious, we understand the meaning of holiness and righteousness and godliness, but a religious person has a tongue James says that is bridled. bridled. Wait a minute. What's a bridle? Well, if you ever been around horses or mules, if you ever rode a horse, you know that you put a bit or a bridle in the horse's mouth. And that bit in the horse's mouth does what? It controls the horse. Now, there are some horses that don't like that bit in their mouth. They will bite you. I am a testament. They will bite you. I know. Uh, They'll they'll rear up because they don't like the bit. Why? Because they don't like for you to be in control of them. And the thing we need to realize in our lives... God, uh, the, James says that if you're going to be a believer, you're going to be a godly man, you're going to have a pure religion, you're have a mouth that has been bridled by what? The Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. So ask yourself a question this morning. Is it the Word of God that's helping you control your speech? Is it the Word of God that is helping you, uh, the Spirit of God helping you to control what comes out of this mouth? What is your heart condition? Remember, your heart condition is what you're going to speak. So as you look back and you see that he says, you need to bridle your tongue. Now, let's just be honest. We all in our lives have had difficulty of letting our tongue speak and letting our speech come out and we say things we wish we have never said. Ever, anybody ever done that, by the way? See, a lot of hands don't go up when we say that because we just don't want to, oh, no, that's what I'm The truth is we've all done that. We've all done that. We've all said things that we wish we haven't said. We've all been there in places and we spoke out, out of turn. And as a result of that, we dishonored the Lord. As a result of that, we dishonored the Word of God and we did not allow the Holy Spirit to use us to say what needed to be said. We just spoke out of turn. And we hurt someone. See, James says in verse 19, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. That means to think before you speak and slow to wrath. The unbridled tongue involves these things. Now, Now listen to this. This is what it involves. If you've got a tongue that's not under control, if you've got a tongue that's not being controlled by the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God, this is what comes out of your mouth. This is what comes out of my mouth when I don't allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to control me from my heart to my mouth. Here's what happens. Interrupting, dominating the conversation, being quick-tempered, lashing out. Anybody fall into place here? Gossiping, criticizing, judging, and condemning others. Cursing. Wow. You mean we do that? And that tongue, if it's not bridled, if it's not controlled by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, you know what? It's going to say things because it's in our hearts and, folks, it's going to spill out. And before long, the gospel and the criticizing nature and all these other things can come out and it can hurt and destroy not only you, but others around you. That's why James says a pure religion is a tongue under control. When you think about that, Proverbs thirteen three says this. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. And what that means is just opening it wide and letting it fly. Well, let me tell you what. You open it wide and let it fly, somebody just might come along and knock your block off. You say, I've been there, pastor. I've been there. I've done that. I said things I should, and I got right into it, and we got in trouble because I opened wide, and I let it fly. Also, it says in 1 Peter 3.10, For he that will love life, that means the word love life means enjoy life. I don't know about you, but I want to enjoy life. I really do. I want life. I want to enjoy as much of life that I possibly can. I know you do, too, because that's what you want also. We want to enjoy this life. Well, if you want to enjoy life, this is what Peter says, and you want to see good days, I want to see some good days. Yes, I like that. Good days. I'm into that. And it says, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Wow. You mean if I'm going to enjoy life, you mean if I really want to see good days, I've got to learn to control this tongue. I've got to learn to bridle this tongue because if I don't do that, you know what happens? I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to see some dark days. I'm going to see some troubling times, and I'm not going to enjoy life because you know why? I've got people now that don't talk to me or are angry at me, and now I, I, it's going to be a difficult life because I have opened my mouth and I said, "Well, I'm going to say what I think." Well, you better be careful of that. It'll get you in trouble. And you'll find out that life won't be a whole lot of fun. Well, we live in a day and age which we got to be so careful, folks. You know what I'm saying. We have the thing called the cell phone now. And that cell phone now, you can get on that thing. And you know what? You can vent all your frustrations on that thing. You can talk about so-and-so. You can criticize this one. You can jump onto this one. And you can do all the things. You you just part it in there. I mean, here you go. And, boy, you just lay it all out. Be careful. Be careful, my friends, with all these things. Because these words that we speak can sometime come back to haunt you. And I, I, I just close with this. Here's a little illustration, a little poem that goes like this. A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may help hate and steal. A a brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may soothe the way. A joyous word may light the day. And a timely word may lessen stress. And a loving word may heal and bless. How true. And I'll close with this. I remember when I taught school, and it was Christian school that I taught at, and we had a uh, young lady in that school, she was probably 16 years of age, beautiful young lady, very intelligent, very smart, very smart. And this young lady, her dad, they had a good family, her dad was a pastor of a church, and that young lady had a very bitter, mean spirit. Very difficult to try to uh, really teach because she was always uh, trying to cause strife and always arguing, just really a difficult person. And that young lady didn't like rules, didn't care for rules. And, of course, you've got to have rules in life because that's the way it is. Without rules, there's chaos. And I remember that that young lady... Sent out a rumor. And that rumor came a hold of finally the authorities that her dad had somehow, some way assaulted her, or somehow misused her. And I never will forget it, became such a big thing. It ruined her dad's ministry. It ruined their family. And it came time for the court date. And when the court all came together, they found out that she just started a lie. It was just a lie. It was just a rumor. She didn't like because Dad said, you can't go out and stay out at the 3 in the morning. You can't do this because that's not what God wants us to do and that's not how God wants us to live. And this young lady let this words fly out, and those words ruined a man's ministry and ruined an entire family. And you know, I never will forget that. It broke my heart. All she had to do, all she had to do was just to keep her mouth shut, obey the rules, live the life God wants her to live, and it could have spared a lot of heartache in life. Today, I want you to think about, what have you said this week? Today, when you think about, what have you done this past month? Maybe you said something that hurt somebody very deeply and it could be made right even today if you would. Maybe you've criticized somebody here in this church. You gossip about them. And, and today you can make it right, folks. You don't need to destroy people's lives and you don't need to destroy yours because James says pure religion is bridling our tongue. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And this morning, I just want to ask you who did you talk about this week? Who did you say some unkind things about? Behind their back, they may not even know about it, but you did. You do. Who are you talking about? Look down in your heart. What's wrong? What's wrong in the heart? Something's wrong. Say, well, it's their fault. No, no, wait a minute. Is your tongue bridled? God is speaking to you right now. You need to get that right. You need to come. So let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Of course, if you're here today, you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I pray that today would be that day. But this morning, if you're saved and you know the Lord, but you know right now, God, the Spirit of God's convicted you right now. Conviction has come right now. I have said something I shouldn't have said, and I need to make it right. God is speaking to you. You come I'm not, we're not here to judge anybody that comes. Hey, this is between them and God. We want people to have a walk with God. God's speaking to you. Will you come today and pray? How about you? another verse you say preacher I I don't really want to go down front pray right where you're at pray say God I I don't forgive me Lord I need to make this thing right because this this is not the way to live God is speaking to you about that you come your heart before you partake be seated. If your heads bowed and eyes closed as you be seated, I ask our deacons to come. We're going to prepare the table for a communion service. As they're coming now at this time to do that.